I also had to realize that in my career, I made myself into someone that I wasn't. I became a geek that could speak. I convinced myself I was an extrovert. Now, I am not. I am a big-time introvert. So if I get on stage, like this last May, I was a keynote speaker at a finance conference in Austin, and I'm up there for an hour. When I'm done, I'm not energized. I'm exhausted. So when people say, Mark, you could go off and be a full-time public speaker, and the answer is, no, I can't. I'd run myself ragged. So number one is know thyself. The second piece is go ask for help. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Small Business Startup Essentials podcast, where we dive into the topics of starting your own online personal brand business. Maybe money's tight and you'd like to have an additional income stream. Maybe you're making a later in life pivot and you'd like to try your hand at monetizing your expertise. Look, whatever your reason for tuning in, welcome. But now let's get right into this episode. Friends, today I have with us Mark Miller, the best-selling author of Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for the Second Half of Life. He's a podcast host of the Repurpose Your Career podcast and a huge advocate for assisting older adults to make that later in life transition into a better place for themselves. Mark has a long history of personal career pivots after his long history with IBM and found that after helping people with their career changes, he found his own passion as well to start his own business. You can easily find his book on Amazon, but you'll also find him on LinkedIn as well. Well, Mark, thanks for being with us today to discuss your your uh, history, your transition experience. Uh, you've brought a wealth of of information, a wealth of knowledge to the world of of making that transition out of your career into other things, into other avenues to to you know make our lives better. So, thanks for talking with us today. You're very welcome. Well, Mark, you've paved quite a path for yourself in the past uh, 15 years or so with um, your business, but um, but how did you work through your transitions in your job to get to a better place each time? How did you sort of work through your own personal transitions? Well, one of the things, I mean, when I decided to start Career Pivot, I had just come out of a successful tech startup, wasn't rich, but we were, I was in my mid to late forties. We were debt free. Um, and I worked for a sociopath hmm. and I said, I ain't doing that again. Uh, in fact, that was one of several transitions that I had made where I came out burned out. One of the things I had learned was as I had to give myself time to heal. And fortunately, I had the financial wherewithal to be able to do that, because as we talked before, I'm like you, I'm frugal. I joked my father wasn't frugal, he was cheap, um, mm -hmm. and which has has made things a lot, uh, a lot easier. But 
one of the things that I realized that I have made so many pivots and every one of my career transitions has been what I refer to as a half-step career transition. I had one foot in the old world. I had one foot in the new world. And there was always a relationship that carried me across. Whether that was going from a technical trainer to being a high school math teacher, or um, which you think is the same, but they're actually very different, although they require the same skill sets. Whether going from technical sales to being a, a nonprofit um, fundraiser. Again, it's all about relationships. And I always had people who helped me. And yes, I'm a guy. I don't like asking for directions. Hmm. I don't like asking for help. And the reality is you need to ask for help. And a lot of times this is pretty humbling. And so, again, when I started Career Pivot, I hired a coach. Um, I hired a whole bunch of people, do my branding. Um, you have to realize there are things you don't know how to do. I have no artistic skills. You know, if you ask me, I mean, I hired a um, an image consultant who threw away half my clothes and redressed me. <laughs> and I got a lot of funny stories over the years that I realized that I had no taste in clothes. Um, and, and, you know, and this is coming from a guy who's spoken to audiences of 5,000 people. Um, and... I also had to realize that in my career, I made myself into someone that I wasn't. Uh, I became a geek that could speak. I convinced myself I was an extrovert. Now, I am not. I am a big-time introvert. So if I get on stage, like this last May, I was a keynote speaker at a finance conference in Austin, and I'm up there for an hour, when I'm done... I'm not energized. I'm exhausted. So when people say, Mark, you could go off and be a full-time public speaker. And the answer is, no, I can't. I'd run myself ragged. So number one is know thyself. The second piece is go ask for help. You know, we drive across Mexico to get to our home and outside of uh, Guadalajara. And I don't know how people did it before Miss Google. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I, we remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> you pull over and you get the map out and you figure out where you are, and it, it took time. It, it was yeah. it wasn't easy. So, hopefully, that kind of gives you a. Um, and and one of the things I've done with my own business is I'm constantly changing it to keep it interesting for me. I am now sixty six. Um, I do my podcast and my blog. By the way, I have a virtual assistant who now lives in Indiana. She was in Florida. Before that, she was in Indiana. Um, I've got relationships with people who support me. And yes, I pay them. And, um, and it's a matter of finding the balance between what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Uh, like I don't do the artwork for my podcast, mm -hmm. but I do edit my own podcast. And I get people all the time coming, I'll edit your podcast for you. And I'm going, no, mm -hmm. I actually like doing it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Right. There are things I like doing. 
Um, like with my podcast, I've really worked on my workflow. So by time I finish a episode, I can have the whole thing turned around in about two hours. <laughs> and I've just got it, the workflow down. Um, but I like doing it. The artwork? Jeez. <laughs> But when, when in the very early stages, when you were saying, you know, know thyself, did you take a personality test, an assessment of some sort to sort of maybe get a, a, a different perspective? I am now a Berkman consultant. Mm -hmm. uh, it's B-I-R-K-M-A-N. I love the Berkman because prior personality assessments did not show me. They showed me how I behaved. Your Myers-Briggs. My Myers-Briggs showed mm -hmm. me as an ENTJ. Mm -hmm. I am not an extrovert, as I said. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not at all. I behaved like one. I can relate to that. Right? And the Berkman will show you how you behave mm -hmm. and then how you want to be treated in nine different areas. And there's a bunch of other stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I realized, I am, I'm a recovering engineer. Yeah, this is a 12-step <laughs> program for that. I am I am very good at spotting patterns. I mean, that's why I spent my career in telecommunications and a whole variety of different things. But it's all it's all pattern matching, and so I found I was really good at matching patterns in people's personalities. And one of the things that I had done was it showed me where I had morphed my behavior that didn't serve me anymore. I mean, I've over the years, I've worked with doctors and several, a bunch of lawyers. Boy, lawyers are a pain in the butt um, because they very often morph their behaviors that makes them more money, and then they make themselves miserable. And this is a real challenge, particularly when you suddenly you've gone down a specific career path that you are now miserable doing. And you suddenly, and people go, oh, why would you want to change? You're so good at it. You make so much money at it. Mm. And the answer is, well, it sucks. I, I hate it. Mm. Um, in my case, I was a geek that could speak. It left me exhausted. By the way, I like doing it. Mm. Um, but then again, I also, I had a near fatal bicycle accident back in 2002. I hit a car head on at 50 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. On my bicycle, not a motorcycle. I remember hearing that on your podcast. And mm -hmm. it left me wondering, what's my purpose in life? Mm -hmm. And you start, you and, and it's at those points that people say, well, why would you want to change? Because, by the way, I after I had had my, uh, the accident, I tore up a knee, I broke a hip, I dislocated a shoulder, broke a bunch of ribs. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had no internal injuries, no brain injuries I'm willing to admit to. Uh, I had... Um, so I spent five days in the trauma center. They had me back in. I was walking in three days on crutches. I was back on a bike in 10 weeks. I was flying back to China in four months. And by the way, I flew right into Guangdong province um, in November of 2002, which is the epicenter of SARS-V1. Mm. You want to talk about lousy timing? Mm -hmm. I got out of there, did not get sick. Bunch of people around me got sick. Mm -hmm. And you start wondering, why? what put me on this earth? Mm -hmm. 
And that kind of got me down the soul searching of what do I really want to do Mm -hmm. versus what I can do. And like, I've got a woman in my online community right now who spent much of her career in technology. She's a really good manager, but technology has no interest to her. And we just did her Berkman Mm. and, but it's what she's done for so long. And, mm-hmm. but she's reaching a point where going, this is, it, it's, it's sucking me dry. Mm-hmm. And you start wondering, and, and it, one of the challenges is we get into, here's the things I know how to do. And that will make me money. And that tends to be more important than what do I want to do? So how does someone work through the, the mindset issues to overcome you know, those maybe fears or doubts or, or, or barriers that they put on, on themselves when they want to transition out? Well, number one, you're not going to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's get a coach, get a, join a community, uh, maybe paid, unpaid. It may be your church group. People who will help you get out of your own head. Mm. And um, I've had on my podcast a number number of times, Diane Winkert, which, by the way, I recommend. I'll make an introduction if you're interested. Mm. Um, she, um, I've had her talk about the fixed versus growth mindset. And I'll, I'll use the example. The difference between my wife and me. My wife sees a problem and something's not working. She gets upset. Me? Jeez, this is fun. I got a problem to solve. Mm, mm. <clears throat> That's a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And the quote I used with Diane Wingert that she gave me was, you have to get started before you're ready. In mm-hmm. other words, mm-hmm. very often we say, oh, well, I'm just not ready to get started. I need to do this, that, and the other thing. It says, they don't. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like starting my my podcast. I hired a company to do my artwork and do my initial episodes. They initially did all my, um, put everything together, uploaded it. But um, like I said, I you listen to my early episodes. They're okay. They don't suck. But I'm a whole lot better now. Yeah, right. Well, that's right. Me, me, me as well. I, I get that. You, you evolve, you get better, you know, but, but starting is half the problem. That's half yeah. the battle, right? Yes. Quick break here in the middle, friends, just to recommend something to you if you like to write. I know I do, and I'm usually in the middle of a writing project in one way or another. But I came across this course called The Author's Playbook by Dennis Geelan. That really helped me in more ways than one. Just getting the resources at the end made it worth getting. Again, it's called the Author's Playbook course. It's under $100 and worth every penny. I'll put the link in the show notes for you to check it out. Just wanted to pass this tip along to you. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I used to be on a tweet chat. This is a number of years ago called blog chat. And we get students on there saying, well, what's the, what's the best piece of advice if you're going to write, start a blog. And we would all say, push the publish button. Mm -hmm. 
your first stuff, you can always edit it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You can always delete it. It's mm-hmm. okay if it sucks because you can delete it and you will eventually find your voice. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest things for very often um, for people to do is to realize that, um, you know, not everything's going to work out. Mm-hmm. You got to be flexible. Um, I did a number of years ago for, for a, 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 a virtual conference about my three career failures. Yeah, I've had I've had three pivots that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So number one, if you're gonna fail, fail fast. Mm-hmm. Two, always have a plan B. Three, always mm-hmm. learn something from it. Yeah, right. Um, but unfortunately, you and I came out of the culture. Failure is not an option, right? If you're a failure, you're a screw up. Now, look at Silicon Valley, fail often, fail fast. What, what about somebody that, as you, you mentioned before, where they're really good at something that they've made a career at, but they're not happy with that, right? And so they want to do something else. How does somebody make that transition into that something else that that doesn't, they can't really tap into what they've been through the past 10 to 20 yep. years. They want to do something very different. Yep. How do you, how do you sort of repurpose what you've been through for the past 20 years, but then switch into a very different route? Okay. A lot of it depends on your financial and your support groups mm-hmm. and people who are around you support. Um, I love the, um, there's a chapter in Diane Wood David's book of future proof. By the way, she was on my podcast. Um, she calls it experimenting with your career. And that is doing side projects, hopefully low risk, to see whether you actually like doing what it is you think you want to go do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll use the example. I had a, I used to rebuild when I was young and stupid, I rebuilt cars. And I had a best man at my wedding was 20 years older than I was. And, you know, he was he was a phenomenal mechanic. And he started doing some work for other people. By the way, it stopped being fun. Um, and so just because you like doing it as a hobby doesn't mean you want to do it as a business. Will you know that ahead of time? The answer is probably not. But go try it on the side. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that encourage folks younger than us to start doing this early to see whether I, I like to say I have a chapter in my book on uh, what I call MSU disorder and MSU stands for make stuff up, <laughs> which we all do. Well, if I go do this, this will happen. Or these are the kind of people who yeah. really want this. And the answer is you don't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go try it. And, um, it's similarly, my my business coach, my first business coach taught me early on when I was going to, you know, I was going to do coaching was I to clearly identify those people I want to help. And at the same time, clearly identify those people that when you approach them, that you want to run away from as fast as you can get. <laughs> because there are some people who will pay you, but they will entirely suck the life out of you. Mm-hmm. Well, just because 
I had uh, Kay McManus on my podcast originally did a lot of my bookkeeping and accounting accounting. And uh, she talked about the fact that um, she had a, a, a client that, um, you know, that she would qualify a client if, if they had a checkbook and a pulse. And the answer is no. Mm. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so part of it is just start trying stuff and see whether the things you make up in your head are really true or not. And a lot of it depends on your level of risk. Um, and by the way, I grew up with parents. My parents were, you know, greatest generation. My mom was born 1918. Dad was 1920. Dad served in World War II. They were incredibly risk averse. So one of the things that um, I had to learn to do, because I joke, I when I graduated from college, I went to work for the Borg. I, I mean, IBM. <laughs> I was assimilated. Resistance was futile. <laughs> but in 99, when they screwed me on my pension, I gave them a single finger salute and left. Now, at the time, I looked at it as being very risky. Well, I went for a company that was already in the process of being acquired by Lucent. It wasn't a risky move at all. In fact, it's the smartest move I ever made. In fact, I will tell you, I have been very lucky. I have had a, a bunch of things where my timing has been brilliant. And I will tell you, most of the times it's because I was willing to make the move and follow my instincts. And rather than hesitate, I'd love to tell you I was brilliant, I was smart, I, I knew exactly what I was doing. The answer was no, it wasn't. To some extent, I got lucky. Mm -hmm. But some of that luck came from just following my instincts, which a lot of us were trained by our parents not to do. Yeah, I didn't get any advice from my parents. I, you know, my... <laughs> Uh, my my parents weren't you know college educated uh, you know business mindset there was nothing you know do you deal with any uh, of folks in the military that want to transition out have you had any experience with with uh, with that realm of I I've had a, I've had a couple ex military and and what I found is they were very similar to. My early clients that I found coming out of who were career folks out of IBM and Dell, mm -hmm. um, many of that has gone away, but they had a similar problem in the fact that um, they were institutionalized, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. particularly if they were career military. So they're, um, they had to learn um, even how to say time or the acronyms they used. I will never forget when I worked mm -hmm. for IBM, I was mm -hmm. in a briefing center and we would bring in uh, the military in for briefings and we'd get them up to talk at the beginning of uh, the uh, the briefing and they would use more acronyms that I didn't have a clue mm -hmm. what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest challenges for the military is getting the help from other people, hopefully other ex-military, to help them translate their language, translate their skill set. By the way, I saw the same thing. I taught high school math for two years. I saw the same problem with school teachers when they, particularly careers, you know, people had been teaching 20 and 30 years when they wanted to leave education. Mm. By the way, the only people they ever knew were other people in education. Mm -hmm. They had no idea what the rest of the world looked like. Mm. It's very often true with the military. Mm -hmm. 
which is one reason why a lot of ex-military end up back in what I call the military industrial complex, working on the private side. Right, right. But if you don't want to go there and you, you've got to figure out how to transition your skill set, transition your language, your skills, mm-hmm. which one of the easiest ways of doing this is find, I like to say, find someone who looks, tastes, and smells like you, i.e. with the same background, same skill set, who has made the transition and go to them and say, how'd you do that? And most of the time, they're willing to help you. In other words, you know, I had to transition my language from X to Y. I had Thea Kelly on my podcast oh, a couple of years ago, and she's a resume writer. And we talked about career pivot resumes. And this one gentleman had been a uh, chief of police somewhere, and he wanted to get into private security. He wanted to get into security. And so he had to take off his resume, things like, working with the um, the police chief, and he wasn't a police chief, he was somebody under that, uh, to working with the, the chief executive. In other words, transitioning language into something that the new person is going to understand. And it's very, very often, particularly um, for coming out of mil- the military, um, particularly, it's like I've worked with a couple of generals and they they explained to me that once you get above the colonel rank, that it becomes very, very relational and far less command and control. I don't know anything about that. By the way, I never served in the military. By the way, I'm 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 a little bit older than you. I was the tail end of the Vietnam War era draft. Um so it's it's a matter of saying, okay, here's where I want to go. How do I translate it and Find someone to help you. Maybe there's someone who's already done the journey. Maybe there's someone who specializes. I've had on my podcast, there's a woman who specializes in um, in federal resumes and the federal job search. Because going from the private sector into, say, a federal job, the resume, the applicant tracking, the, everything about the job search is totally different. By the way, my son and daughter-in-law both work for the Navy. Their journey there has been really different. So you don't know what you're doing. Go get help. Mm-hmm. And that can come from a variety of sources, both paid and unpaid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I've been talking to uh, a, a number of people that are either retired or on the brink of retirement and they sort of see themselves as having this short window of opportunity. You know, how, how do you sort of approach uh, the, the retiring folks or the, the, the about to retire person that, um, that sees that short, you know, runway, so to speak? Well, the, number one, the runway probably isn't as nearly as short as you think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the obvious, the first thing is to assess your finances. Mm-hmm. How much money do you need, need to make? In other words, I, I get a lot of folks who say, well, I'm going to go retire, but I need to work. Do you need to work or do you want to work? Mm, probably want. <laughs> right? We see, I, I live outside of Guadalajara, Mexico, in Ajiji, and um, there are a lot of retirees here. 
And yes, there are a lot of retirees who show up and they suck at retirement. And by the way, they drinking depression because like, I, I don't ever see myself stopping working. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm at the point where, okay, I don't need to make money at my business anymore. Can't lose money. Um, but the question comes down to is what's going to give me purpose. So the question comes down to is, okay, if you're going to retire, what's the reason that you want to keep working? What do you want to do? And then, you know, it's, there are all kinds of opportunities out there, probably non-traditional that you can do online in person. In fact, I'm about to do a, um, an interview with a woman who's how um, volunteering um, the nonprofit volunteering sector got totally mm. screwed up by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're now re reassessing what, what does it mean to volunteer virtual? What's one of the things you might want to do is go volunteer and see whether this is something you want to go do. Mm. Um, it, it all, um, one of the things that the pandemic did was forced a lot of people to move around. Well, as we move around, uh, by the way, the our the our traditional networks get screwed up. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that you and I probably both have is the people who we have who have pulled us along in our career have aged out, right? Mm-hmm. The people who pulled us on our career have either retired. They've they're no longer in power or they've died. So what that means is one of the problems is as our network ages out, we need to network differently, network down, mm-hmm. network with people younger than us. And one of the challenges as we are our our society, we tend very much to age segregate ourselves. By the way, we started this in college and high school, right? We, we were always around people of the same age. As our kids grow up, we tend to age segregate. And by the way, as we get old, we age segregate. So one of the things is very actively start saying, who am I going to network with? Who's going to be able to help me? You notice a lot of what I talk about is going getting help. Mm. And very specifically, as we get in our 60s, is networking down. And the one thing we've seen in this pandemic is it has disrupted everything. Mm. And the disruptions are not going to stop, which says it's, 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 it's kind of like when I, I talk about people becoming expats. And people go, you're going to make some assumptions about how it's going to be. And by the way, those assumptions are almost always wrong. Mm -hmm. These are based on stuff we make stuff up. Mm -hmm. So as you start moving into new directions, and by the way, it's going to be different for all of us. It's all what, by the way, it all depends on what makes us happy. And so how much money do you need to make? How do you get into it? How do you reduce the risk? How do you mitigate the risk? And um, and that's by by getting out, asking a lot of questions. Don't make stuff up. Did mm. I answer your question? Yeah, and I get that. You know, making stuff up 
part of it because and, and I even say that um, my first business plan, you know, I, I quit my job in 2002 and, and went full time for for my IT business. But my business plan was just a, a fantasy, you know, document, you know, it was just something to, to fill the spaces and answer the questions, you know what I mean? But um, I, I didn't. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and I didn't know how to really plan through it very well either. You know, so I understand the the the, the concept of you know how we can envision something to be one way, and it's it's just you know thoughts that we make up. You know, so I, I get that. Um, well, Mark, uh, I really appreciate your time uh, today in in talking about you know, the transition realm and, and your experience and um, your, your wisdom and, and helping other people through it. What's the best way for people to uh, get in contact with you? Well, you can simply go to the Career Pivot website. That's careerpivot.com. Mm-hmm. There's a contact me button at the top. Mm-hmm. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I am M-A-R-C. My mama knew how to spell. <laughs> um, and last name's Miller. And um, and if you feel I'm my 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 short code, my um LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Mr. Miller. My mama gave me the initials MR so I get some respect. <laughs> uh, and so um you can also find me uh, on all the major podcasting platforms mm-hmm. uh, with the Repurpose Your Career podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I put most of my effort into these days. And um, and and if you send a connection request on LinkedIn, just say you found me on Thomas Claremont's podcast. In your book, Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for the Second Half of Life. A very good read, very good read. Folks, um, reach out to Mark. Uh, look at look for his book on Amazon. Repurpose your career: a practical guide for the second half of life. Mark, thanks for your time today. No problem. Hey, friend, thanks for listening. Hope there was real value in this episode for you that keeps you motivated to move forward in your vision of having a successful online business. If you'd like to dive into these types of issues, you can go to TomClaremont.com, schedule a free 30-minute discovery call, and we'll talk about your specific situation and how I can help. I'll put a link in the show notes. Friend, as always, stay encouraged, follow your dream, and don't give 